p.m., Monday through Friday. I'll begin to teach at exactly 7.35. And I promise you, pending the Holy Spirit arresting us, <laughs> that caveat must be there, <laughs> that we will live at 8.30. Very prompt, short, in righteousness, and we'll be out of here. Now, why are we doing this? We are doing this because I truly believe God wants to bring you and I into another level or dimension of the revelation of who he is and what he has already accomplished and done for us. I believe that this teaching will do for us what our study in the Gospel of St. John did for us. And so I'm encouraging every last one of you. Yes, I know you are at work. I understand that. And that's why we're choosing the special time of 7.30 to allow you to go through the Atlanta traffic madness and come here and receive some peace. Peace of mind at 7.30. Amen? So please, 7.30 from tomorrow night through Friday. And the theme is we are seated with Christ. We are seated with Christ. This will be a verse by verse or word by word study of the entire book of Ephesians. If we don't finish on Friday, I'll pick it up next Sunday. But I'm just telling you now, please clear your calendar. We've been talking about this for a while and just be sure to be here with us. Amen. Are you all ready this morning? Yes. Hallelujah. Father, we want to thank you for bringing us to the beginning of another year. We've prayed already this morning. We don't want 2019 to be as 2018 was in some aspects. We don't want to just be uh, talking about the word of God. We want to be doers. We want to see the manifestation of your word in every area of our lives. Our home, our families, our ministries, our jobs, our businesses, every aspect. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege you've given us to break open the seal of your word. And I pray, Lord God, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. That the power of the Holy Spirit will make your word real into our lives. We receive it now. We thank you, Father, for your anointing. And we bless your name for your goodness to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 1. That's all we're going to do today. Just one verse. Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. Give it to me in New King James Version. NKJV. Thank you. Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints 
who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason this series of teachings are important is because there are certain things that we know of our Christian faith that we only know by the revelation of Jesus Christ through Paul. I pray, I pray today and for the rest of the week that God will allow us to take away the religious background and the religious veil that has not allowed us to fully move into what God has already done for us. And you will see what I mean by that when we get in mercy in a minute. But the revelation of grace was only given to one man, Apostle Paul. If it was not for Paul, you and I would not know a thing about grace right now. Huge. Huge. But more importantly, the book of Ephesians is written from an eternal perspective. Unlike, for instance, the book of Romans. The book of Romans was written from an earthly perspective, talking or dealing with a sinner. Romans chapter 1, right away, it talks about sin. And man, how man fell, all of that. But Ephesians began with God's perspective. God in heaven, in eternity past, speaking about, guess who? You and I, the church. So the book of Ephesians is totally, completely about the church. What Jesus has done for the church and what he expects to see happen as a result of what he has done for the church. Are you following me? So this book is totally, completely written from victory to victory. Now, let's go to John chapter 14 before I go back to Ephesians. John chapter 14 in the Passion Translation, verses 1, 2, 3. Thank you. This is John 14 in the Passion Translation. Watch this. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. Many people are afraid. Our government, our government is shut down. Things are happening around us. And you're just wondering, when is it going to get to me? When is it going to happen? What if this happened? What if that happened? Various legitimate, legitimate reasons for which people are fearful. But look at what Jesus said. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. For you've believed in God. Now, trust and believe in me also. My father's house has many dwelling places. If it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly. Go on. Go on. Because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. Now, this is the reason I chose this translation. 
He's gone to do what? Prepare a place for us to do what? Rest. New Year's Eve, we read Psalms 23. How he maketh us to lie down. It makes us to rest. So Jesus is saying here, John 14. Now, John 14 normally is the traditional scripture people use at funerals. When they're about to put a person in the grave, they pull out John chapter 14. But it is not talking about the grave, as you will see in a minute. I go to prepare a place for you, for what? For you to rest. And when everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself that you will be where I am. Now, the question is, where is Jesus now? I don't believe this. Where is Jesus now? Okay, all right, okay. All the Bible scholars. It's in heaven, but it he also lives in your heart. Amen. The point is this. Jesus is saying, where I am, there you will be also. Present tense. Present tense. Not when you don't go to heaven. He's in heaven. You and I are here on the earth. But he's saying, I've gone to do something. And because of what I've done, where I am presently, seated at the right hand of the throne of my father in heaven, where I am, you will be there also. Do you believe that? Yes. Jesus is in heaven and he's saying to you and I, because of what he has done, you and I have access right now, not tomorrow, not when you die, right now to be there in heaven with him. Okay. Give me John chapter 3 verse 13 in a, King, in a New King James. John chapter 3 verse 13 in a New King James. Thank you very much. Now watch this. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is, the son of man, who where? Oh my goodness. Who is in heaven? Now wait a minute, when Jesus said this, he was in Jerusalem. He was physically present in the earth, and yet he said he's in heaven. Did you guys see what I just saw? No, 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 let me take off my jacket. I don't think you guys saw it. I don't believe you guys saw it. I'm showing you this so you can understand how you can be in heaven and be on the earth at the same time. Or how you can be on the, on the earth and be in heaven at the same time. Do you understand that? In John 14, he said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you so that where I am you will be. He's in heaven and he says, Lola, Bank, Bucci, I'm in heaven, but I've made a way so you can be in heaven with me right now. And you just saw in John chapter 3, while he was physically in the earth, he says the Son of Man is in heaven. Don't forget that. Because the entire book of Ephesians is based on this transaction. How a person can be here in Lawrenceville and at the same time in heaven. You are in Lawrenceville right now, physically, but God said, because of what Jesus has done, 
You are actually, you are actually spiritually seated together with him in heaven. If you can believe that, that simple sentence, if you can ever get to believe that even though you are here physically, but your real residence in the spirit realm is with Christ. If you can believe that and understand that, you are free. Everything has become very easy for you and I. Amen? Now, I share that because I want you to see where Paul is coming from. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1 now. Verse 1. Again in the New King James Version. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Jesus Christ. Now, if Paul is saying these things to us, that nobody else has written about or said anything about in all of the scriptures, if we are to believe him, then we need to validate his authority for saying these things. Okay, let me say that again. If Paul is telling us all these very radical things about who we are and what God has done for us, if we are to believe him and embrace it, then we better establish his authority for saying what he's saying. So that's why when he began the epistles, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, I did not buy my apostleship on the internet. I did not go to one seminary which was renowned and they liked me, passed the exam, and they gave me a piece of paper. Work friend did not ordain me as an apostle. No. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and faithful in Jesus Christ. Let me give you one more scripture, then I'm going to move on. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Wow, thank you. This is Paul speaking to the Galatian church. He said, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Thank God for Billy Graham. He's not the one that taught me this. Thank God for Kenneth Copeland. I didn't get it from him. I want you to know that the gospel that I'm preaching is not according to man. Move on. Go on. Verse 12. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's where it is. This is his apostolic authority. This is important. You need to follow me this morning because I'm telling you, you need to follow this whole thing so that you can come to a place of understanding so you don't get tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So Paul is saying, man didn't teach me this. I received this by the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Now, why is this important? It is important because there are many things Paul said that if you are not trained in the scriptures, you find them at odd with some things Jesus said. And I'm going to share that with you in a minute. But I'm laying the groundwork. I'm laying the foundation. Here a little, there a little, because I want you to have understanding. Amen? Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. In the amplified place. Amplified this time. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Thank you very, very much. You see, it's important we address these things from the beginning because there's, some con there's confusion in certain circles about the Pauline epistles and the teaching of Jesus, which really, at the end of the day, there's no contradiction. Watch what the Bible says. Read and be eager. Is that what it says? Study. Study. There's a difference between when you read and when you study. When I'm reading something, I'm reading it casually. I'm just reading at a glance. Zzz, I read. Zzz, zzz. But when you study, you bring together all the relevant and pertinent information regarding the subject matter. Study, the Bible tells us, and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved Tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed. Watch this. This next sentence. Correctly analyzing and accurately dividing. Rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Now, I hope you didn't miss what, what I just read. That sentence that says correctly analyzing and accurately dividing. So if I can correctly analyze the word of God, if I can accurately divide the word of God, the implication is I can wrongly analyze it and I can inaccurately divide it. That's what's been going on in the body of Christ for a long time. Boy teachers are making noise from the pulpit. Telling us things that have not been studied and that are not correctly analyzed and accurately divided. But the Bible says we should rightly divide the word of truth. That's one point. A second point I want to make, and we're going to dive in. what I need to establish the background. The second point I need to make here is Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Okay, give it to me in NKJV. <laughs> Thank you, though. Thank you. This is Jesus speaking. But he answered and said unto them, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That proceeds from the mouth of God. So in 2 Timothy, I showed you we must accurately, rightly divide the word. That's one aspect. But the second aspect is this. Jesus himself said, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed. You know what it means to proceed? A proceeding word is a progressing, advancing word. When a word proceeds, it doesn't just stop still. There's progression. There's advancement. So Jesus said, don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Case in point. Genesis 22. Abraham, go and kill your son Isaac. The word of God. He grabs Isaac. He's on his way to the altar. He gets there. Abraham, Abraham, do not kill the lad. Proceeding word. He received a word, go kill him. I was, as he was about to obey, he received what? A proceeding word. The proceeding word overtook the word that was spoken. And because he heard the proceeding word, Isaac was spared. I wonder how many people killed their laughter. Because they hear one word and they don't hear the one that proceeds it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. So now, having said all of that, this last August, we had a meeting here. Gosim, the gathering of sons in ministry. And my friend Mike Smith was ministering one of those days. And as he began to minister, the very first sentence that came out of his mouth, I was gasping for breath. What did he say? He said, let me make sure I quote him correctly. No man can be saved apart from the gospel of Paul. Now, I'm the, I'm the one that called the meeting. All my sons and ministers are sitting down. The day before, I told them that I'm reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because I want to immerse myself in Jesus. I taught for hours the day previously. This guy gets up, first sentence out of his mouth. No one can be saved apart from the gospel of Paul. Where I'm sitting, I said, my God in heaven, I'm going to choke this boy when he's done. I'm sitting down there squirming and going through scriptures so that when he finishes, I can get up and refute everything he's taught. The only problem was, I was the one that changed, not him. But then we got done. Well, I know some of you guys are saying, hey, heretic in 19, 2019. No, there's no heresy. Go with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I mean, to be honest with you, when I heard that, I'm saying to myself, is this boy out of his mind? Paul? Look at John chapter 3. Verse 3, we all know this. Nicodemus, who I'll call Nick. Nick came to Jesus at night. <laughs> and Jesus said to him in John 3, 3, most assuredly I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus came to Jesus, and bang, Jesus gave him the message, you must be born again. Is that correct? Correct. We just read it, right? Okay. In red. Good. Look at verse 4. 
Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You know, I can relate to this. Because years ago, I sat down with my mother, my biological mother, in Nigeria. And I presented the gospel to her. And she looked at me. She said, Brian, look at the world. At all my awards from the Methodist Church. She's the mother of this. She's the mother of that. She's chief of that. All the certificates and all the awards decorating the wall. And then she now said to me, are you telling me with all of this that I can go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Very real. Wow. Yeah, she did. And I remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus. But this is the point. So Nick asked Jesus, you are telling me I must be born again. Am I going to go now and enter my mother's womb and be born back? How did Jesus respond? Verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, for Nicodemus, how did this happen? How much help did Nick get from Jesus? Jesus, how can I be born again? What do I need to do? He that is born of the spirit is born of the spirit. Of the flesh is born of the he, he, he confused the guy worse than what, before I asked the question. You guys are looking at me funny. Am I reading to this? If I'm asking you a direct question, Greg, how can I be born again? He that is one of the spirits of the spirit, he that is one of the flesh of the flesh. I'm going to leave you scratching my head. He didn't answer him. He gave him what I can call Christianese. Your co-worker, your friend, your family member ask you a small question. Instead of answering plainly, you give them three, three verses of scripture, three chapters, and they end up not understanding a word you've spoken. How can I be born again? Simple question. Jesus did not answer it. Why? Because we have to rightly divide the word of truth. You must understand that. Jesus is not playing games. No, he's not playing games. There's a reason, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you in a minute. But you must understand what's happening here. You have to rightly divide the word of truth. Ah, shall I go there or not? Okay. <laughs> Give me Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. New King James for right now. Matthew chapter 5. Time is really flying. Now, this is the more reason you must come back on Monday night because obviously in the time for today, I will not even finish this. I don't want to cram so much where you don't get anything. I'd rather do it in small measures so that it be more meaningful. Matthew 5, 8, 17. Do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Verse 18. For as surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So Jesus makes it clear, he came to fulfill the law. Now give me Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. 
Galatians 4, 4, when the fullness of the time was come. God sent for his son, born of a woman. How? Born under the law. So you must understand, again, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jesus was born. He came and he ministered under the law. If you don't understand that, you forever be confused and arguing. Jesus said this, Paul said that. Jesus said this, Paul said that. You have to understand that. Jesus was speaking to a different audience than Paul spoke to it. You have to understand that. You must understand that. But, ma- but now, the truth of the matter is, Jesus could not have told Nicodemus what to do. You know why? Because in that day, no one could be born again. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. They told me not to sing again. They said, because I can't sing. So, so I, I left. <laughs> there was no need in him telling him how to, what to, how to be born again. Why? No one under the law could be born again. It was not your time. Why was it not your time? Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. The door of salvation will come later, but not now. Oh, well, pastor, give us chapter and verse for that because now you are sounding like, okay, yes, I'll give you chapter and verse. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. Boy, when you guys are on, you are on. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you in 2019. <laughs> for where there's a testament, that's a will, there must also of necessity be the death. All the testator. You cannot enforce a will unless somebody dies. So what's the essence of me telling you, Nick, how to be born again and have not died yet? It won't do you any good, Nick, because you know what? I've got to go to the cross first and die and be raised again from the dead. Then you can come to the kingdom of God. Right now, just hear it, but I can't tell you how to do it. Give me verse 17. For a testament is in force after men are dead. Since it has no power at all while the testator lives. It would not do you any good, Nick, if I told you, because you know I'm still alive. It's no good to you if I told you how to be born again. You cannot be born again until I die. You have to rightly divide the word of truth. Why? Why did Mike Smith say, no one can be born again except you believe the gospel of Paul? Why? Why did I have to change my position? After squirming and getting all, all nervous and said, this guy is going to kill all our people. I was talking heresy. I'm looking for scriptures. Why did God save me on my seat? 
Because, give me Romans 10, 9. The question Jesus did not answer. In Romans 10, 9, Paul answered it. That, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Jesus didn't tell us that. Paul did. Paul was the one who by revelation of Jesus Christ understood the mechanics and the dynamics and the process of salvation. And long after Jesus was gone, he downloaded it and gave it to us. What Jesus, because of time or dispensation, will not address. He now appeared by the Spirit of Paul. Say, Paul, there were many things I could have said, but they were not ready. They don't have the bandwidth to understand it. I will not give what's holy to the dogs. I will not cast my purse before the swine. I'll give it to you by revelation. Go and teach them for me. Do you understand? is the only one that told us how to get born again. And you can, I don't, I don't know, if, if you ever got born, if you are born again, this is what, more than, more than likely, you recited to be born again. For years on the crusade ground, when I did, that's how, when, I, when people come to the altar, that's what I will tell them. If that shall confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that shall be saved. You cannot find that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You cannot. Why? It was not yet time. So, by the time Mike established all of that, I said, I'm born again. <laughs> now, perhaps I would not have said it the way he said it. But in that setting, it was necessary for him to shock us. You know how when people are having a heart attack, when they're dying, they, they bring these two things. I don't know what they, 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 what they call those things. Huh? Or whatever. They shook them. Say, hey! You just jump up. Say, ah, you okay now. Life is coming back to him. That's exactly what he did. By saying that, all of us put attention immediately. Say, whoa, 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 where's this guy going? We listened. And we got the message. Second thing I want to say. The issue of forgiveness. The issue of forgiveness. Uh, I don't know if it was, it was last year or maybe 2017. I was in Yangon, Miami, Bama, where I had a Bible study. And before I could teach, the leader of the group was leading prayer to prepare the ground. And the prayer began. The prayer began. Very good praying. And then he got to the point, he said, Now, all of you guys, now take a moment. Think of all the people that offended you. And I want you to release forgiveness to them because if you don't release forgiveness, God will not forgive you. And our prayers will be hindered. And then they quoted the scripture. Matthew, where Jesus said that. I'm sitting there and I say, oh God, what did I walk into? Now, again, remember, Jesus actually said it. Let me go to the scriptures. Matthew chapter 6, 
verses 14 and 15. Matthew chapter 6. Now, this is important that we get these things because, you see, the message of grace cannot work in your life if you are still using the old paradigm. Am I hearing something there? Okay, so it's like you are trying to drive going forward, but you are constantly looking in your rear view mirror. How many of you know a person that does that is an accident waiting to happen? If I'm going to be going forward and I'm constantly looking in my rear view mirror, and I, you, you can't make any progress. So I'm saying to us, if we are to get the full benefit or what the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, we cannot have mixtures. There's a reason for what God told Israel. You cannot, you cannot plant mixed seed. You can't do it. Okay. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Again, the same scripture. Don't go there, though. Don't go there. But again, you can find this in Mark 11, verses 25 and 26. So it appears as if Jesus is saying, God's willingness to forgive me is conditional on me willing to forgive somebody else. Just so you know how, how can I, I, I want to use the right word, how ridiculous this sounds. Jesus in his earthly ministry, mind you, healed the sick, opened the blind eyes, raised the dead. And who was he healing? Sinners. Sinners. Men and women that were what? Sinners. Why? They could not be born again yet. And at no time did he ask any of them before he healed them. Did you forgive your brother? You need healing? Okay, you need healing. Okay, good. Did you forgive your mother or your sister? At no time. There was no condition whatsoever. He healed the sick unconditionally. Am I making this up? You would. This scripture, deliverance ministers have made bokus of money out of it. They say, Greg, your father, his father before that, all those things that he did in generations, yes. you need okay. to go back and forth. Go, and, go to his grave and confess it. Correct. And then come back, maybe God will have mercy on you and deliver you. Yes. Madness! Rightly dividing the word of truth. Yes, Jesus said it. But when did he say it? To whom did he say it? He was born under the law, ministered under the law, and preached the law. Why? Because the law is the schoolmaster to bring them to Christ. In other words, he preached enough law to them. They see the futility of their efforts. They see how ridiculous the bar is so high, they can't meet it, they just surrender. This is what Jesus said. 
But Paul came. In Ephesians 1 7. He also taught forgiveness. Ephesians 1 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. How? Why? According to the riches of his grace. Hallelujah. Their goodness. He's not forgiving me because I forgave you or this person or that person. No. He's forgiving me not on the basis of what I've done. He's forgiving me according to the riches of his grace. Yes. Under the law, it was do, do, do. Like a do, do. That's what it was. You do, you get. You don't do, you don't get. Under the law, you forgive, you are forgiven. That's what it was. So when Jesus said what he said in Matthew chapter 5, it was correct. He was speaking under the law. That was what the law demanded. In order to get forgiveness, you have to do something. Correct. Accurate. Correct. But you must rightly divide the word. So Paul comes and Ephesians 1, 7 says, listen, you receive forgiveness through the blood according to the riches of his grace. So both Jesus and Paul taught forgiveness. And by the way, let me, should I say to you, forgiveness is a good thing. You hurt yourself if you don't forgive. Unforgiveness will kill you. Unforgiveness will hurt you. There are enough scientific studies to validate the fact that when we unforgive, it causes many illnesses and sicknesses. So let me make sure I take the post to let you know that. Unforgiveness is not good for anybody. It is unhealthy for you. It will put you in the grave sooner than you plan to. Absolutely. But having said that, but Paul and Jesus taught forgiveness. They both did, but from different perspectives. Jesus in Matthew says, you do it so God can do something for you. Paul said, you do it because God has already done something for you. You see the difference? Yes, sir. Ah, okay, maybe if, let, me, let me go to Ephesians 4.32. Maybe it will get clearer. Both of them are saying the same thing but from a different perspective. Jesus was saying you have to forgive in order to be forgiven. In that day and time, it was accurate, it was the word. But the preceding word is, we forgive because of the blood according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So the reason I forgive is not because I'm trying to get God to do something for me. He's already done something for me. I'm not forgiving so that God can do something. I'm forgiving because he has already done something. Now, the reason I'm bringing these things to you guys, Paul 
is the only one that addresses this. So if all you do is read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you continue to live with the old paradigm. That's the problem. Intercessors, prayer warriors, when they are praying with the understanding, or shall I say the limited understanding of the four Gospels, you are lost. You are lost. You pray a prayer that's, that was valid, but way back ago, it's no longer valid. You cannot tell anybody that if you don't forgive, God will not forgive them. How can you say that? When the scriptures does not bear that out. All the sinners Jesus healed. Notice, he did not once talk to any of them to repent of their sin as a condition to be healed. Not one. Not one. Why? Because the healing is by grace. It was his favor, his grace to do so, not because they did something to compel him to do it. Hallelujah. So under the law, it's a big do, do, do. And under grace, it's a big done, done, done. So this is the critical reason for which you and I must rightly divide the word. What time is it? 12 o'clock? We must rightly divide the word. Because if we don't rightly divide it, we'll just be misplacing, taking scriptures out of context, and we confuse people that we're trying to help. Amen? Now, let me go to the revelation of Paul himself now. Uh, and I'll close in about five to ten minutes. Go with me to Acts chapter 9. How is it that Paul got all these things? Where did he get it from? First of all, Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, in verse 12, you don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. John 16, 12, he tells us, in his heart, Jesus told us, he said, there are many more things I'd like to say to you. He said, but you are not able to bear them. So already he was preparing them for what? The proceeding word. He said, there are many more things. I've just given you kindergarten stuff. We've, just, we've barely scratched the surface on what I am and what I'm here to do. Many more things I need to say to you, but you are not able to bear them. As parents, I don't know if any of you have had the experience where you're driving, your little boy, your little guy is in the car, and they say to you, Daddy, go to the hospital and bring me a baby home. I want a brother, I want a sister. And they're asking you to explain to them the, 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 the very complex thing about reproduction. They want a baby, they want a sister, they want a brother, and they're saying to you, Daddy, come on, go get me a sister. How do you tell a baby, a young child, three, four year old, the complexity of reproduction? So as parents, we give them a fib. We tell them them some story. You never tell them exactly how it happens because you know what? It's beyond their capacity to understand. So you just give them some kind of story to pacify them for that moment. Something far from the truth. That's what Jesus was telling them. I have much more to tell you, but the truth is, you're not able to bear it. You can't understand it. So don't let me waste my time. 
Judah saw somebody uh, that, that was not with me. He said, I should call fire down from heaven to destroy them. What do you understand? You saw Jesus talking to the woman at the well. You said, what? Why are you talking to a woman? That, a woman? Oh, Jesus, you are talking to a woman? You know who they are supposed to be? So he didn't tell them. But he reserved it for a day and time when he revealed it by his spirit. When he be more prepared to receive and understand it. Acts chapter 9 verse 15. Acts 9 15. Now this is when Paul was apprehended. But the Lord said to him, to Ananias, go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. This was the beginning of Paul's ministry. When God sent Ananias to go pray for him, so God said to Ananias, Paul is my chosen vessel. And he will bear my name before kings, Gentiles, and the children of Israel. Go to, verse, go to chapter 26, Acts 26. Acts 26, verse 16 and 17, actually. Now, so now, Acts 26, Paul gave us further details of that encounter. Same encounter, but more details. But rise and stand to your feet, because you see, when Paul, when Jesus encountered Paul, God had to first reduce him to nothing. He fell down from his high horse, reduced him to nothing. So now he says, but rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. So now we know on record that Jesus appeared to Paul. It's not just a fable. We know this is the record that he appeared to him. Why? Jesus, why did you appear to him? To make you what? A minister. And a witness. Both of the things which you have seen and of the things which are we yet revealed to you. Now, do you see the principle of the proceeding word again? Yes. The things which you've seen right now. Yes. Proceeding. The things which you will yet see. Yes. So this is where Paul started. This is where it started. Now, Acts 2024. Acts 2024. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. Why? Why? Now you can begin to understand why Paul was the way he was. When you have an encounter with revelation of the Lord Jesus. He says, I count my life not, to dear, not dear to me. Why? So that I may finish my race with joy. What race? Talking to the kings, Gentiles, and Israel. And the ministry which I received from my Bible college? No. Oh, okay. The ministry which I received at Workfund? No. Absolutely not. If Workfund gave it to you, Workfund has to sustain you. The ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, I can tell you without a shadow of doubt, I got it from Jesus. What is this ministry, Paul? Tell us. What is it? Does it have a name? Yes, it does. To testify 
of to the gospel of the grace of God. Oh my God. Woo! Hallelujah. This is what he has. This is the reason he is the one that gave us the revelation of grace. That was the specific ministry that Jesus committed to him. Paul, go shout this out. Go shout it from the housetops. The gospel of my grace to mankind. Ah, Ephesians chapter 3. I'm, I'm just going to, yeah, Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Thank you. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, <laughs> which was given to me for who? For you. Ah, who's you? Why do you want to go back and live under the law when God gave Paul something for you? How much sense does that make? Unless you do not believe that God called Paul and gave him this revelation. But it's very clear. Verse 3. Watch this. How that by revelation he may know to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. Verse 4. By which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known to sons of men. Paul is one in a number. Yes. This is the validation of his message and ministry. What he carried was not given to anybody else at all. As it has now been revealed. How? By the Spirit. Now you understand what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Scripture that Shina read this morning. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But it's not being revealed to us by his spirit. It's important that we lay this background because if, we do, if this background is not properly laid, you will not be able to appreciate what Paul is saying to us. And we'll still be arguing, is forgiveness for today or not? Just so I make this clear, Jesus and Paul do not contradict one another. Let me make that absolutely clear. Jesus gave us some things and then by his spirit gave us more through Paul. No contradiction whatsoever. No contradiction at all. You must understand that. Ah, okay. We need to go home. We need to go home. Application. How do I even apply what I've heard today? How do I apply? Two things. Two things. Number one. The revelation of the Spirit of God. You and I 
must get catch the revelation of the Spirit of God. He, the Spirit, is the administrator of the dispensation of grace. Everything grace comes down by the Spirit. How did Paul get it? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And if you notice his writings, when he closes in Corinthians, he encourages you and I to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Constantly. Constantly telling us to fellowship so that we are not going around carrying old news. What will it be like now for me to go on CNN and say, say, ladies and gentlemen, John F. Kennedy uh, was president of the United States in 1960. That is stale news. You don't need the news for that. Go to your history books. But that's what most Christianity looks like now. Confused, putting things in the wrong places. We're arguing. Why? Because we have no accurate understanding of the day in which we're living in. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, he will teach you all things and show you things to come. He will teach you all things and show you things to come. So what I'm saying to you is, take a pause. Slow down. Ask the Holy Spirit, in this situation, in this matter, in this condition, where I am, this circumstance, God, what is your mind? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to do it? Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. So the first thing is, we need to seek the revelation of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has sent to us. Number two, number two application, you follow the promptings of the Spirit. No matter how crazy it sounds, no matter how ridiculous you feel about it, just follow the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit will take you to where the Lamb is. Because the Spirit and the Lamb, they work together. Case in point, Acts 16, I'm not going to read it. Paul was on his way to Mysia, the Bible says. He's preaching all over, all over the place and he was about to go to, to a different place. Actually, he was, going to, he was going to Asia. This is important. In fact, let me read this. This is important. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Acts 16, verse 6. Acts 16, verse 6. Thank you. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. This is important. Who forbid them? The Holy Spirit. This guy was saying, go, 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 go. God was saying, go, 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 and was going, and then he wanted to go somewhere, and he said, no. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. We are in Asia, Ephesus. Next verse. And after they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Next verse. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. Next verse. 
And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia stood and prayed with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Next verse. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. I don't have time to give you the testimony of how we got into Asia. Very similar. I don't have the time. Very, very similar. People say, black man, African, what are you doing in Asia? What are you doing in Thailand? What are you doing in Vietnam? Why are you doing in these places? No, I'm not going there for leisure. It's a Macedonian call. Amen. I was in my office when the phone call came. But the rest is history. I don't have time to go into all of that. Maybe some other time. You must understand this. We must follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God told him not to go to Asia at that particular time. You know why? Asians were not ready. When he was finally released to, to go to Ephesus, he spent three years there. Ah, give it to me. Give me Acts 19. I, I just got to show it. Acts 19, verse 10. Acts 19, verse 10. I'm sorry, guy. I, I, went, before, I went beyond time this morning. And this continued for two years. That's the last two years. It was, it was there for a year previously. So that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greek. So by the time God finally released him to go, the whole region heard and received the word. They were ready. Father, I just want to thank you for our time this morning as we begin this journey into the rest that you've prepared for us. The union that you've made ready for us in Christ, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to break open the seal of your word and help us to gain understanding. So that as men and women of understanding, we can begin to gain ground and really live as you intended for us to live. Your death gave us access to heaven. But your life saves us here on this earth. And so, Father God, we appropriate everything you've prepared for us. We move into it and we thank you and bless your name for it. Thank you, Father God, that faith will be kindled in our hearts and that we will embrace your word and move in it and not only change and transform us, but change and transform everyone around us in your families, our work, everywhere we go. Thank you, Father. We honor and we bless you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. We take it up from there tomorrow at 735.